Hey, Emma. Hey, Olivia. How are you? I'm doing well on this Thursday. How are you? Good. I'm doing well, too. I'm so happy. It's almost the weekend. Cannot wait. It's supposed to be like 60 degrees here. So yeah, not here, unfortunately. Uh, Are you serious? Rain, cold. We had like a good stretch last week, but we're back to the Portland winter. But I didn't realize how cold it was in Portland. Yeah, it gets pretty chilly. It's not like horrible. It rarely dips below freezing, but it stays like 40 degrees in rain for like three months. (laughs) That sounds miserable. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I actually like it. That's well, as long as you like it, that's the best case scenario. I'd prefer it than scraping snow off my car. Well, yeah, that is so true. I had to take off like three inches of ice from my car the other day. So the ice storm in Portland was crazy. Really? Did you see the TikToks about it? I saw some and it looked extremely intense. It was crazy. I moved in during that. I cannot believe you did. I really cannot believe you did that. We were stranded for a week with like one loaf of bread, one jar of jelly, one jar of peanut butter. God. God's plan. God's plan. We love it. Mysterious ways. Um, Welcome to Fangirl FM, everyone. Um, This is our inaugural episode, which is really wild because this has been months in the making. Truly. Many a Google Meet, yes. Mm-hmm. We've navigated moves. We navigated um, graduations. We've navigated jobs. Um, and we're here. And we're really trying to um, bring all of our lovely banter and thoughts to you all, which will be super fun. Because I know you all are just begging to hear my opinions on very important things. <laughs> I know. I think about that sometimes where I'm like, I don't know where I get off. Like, who yeah, do I like, think I who am? who asked? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, who asked? Honestly, it's going to be fun. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what we want from this? Yeah. So Eclectica was, you know, began as a women-ran music collective just to kind of bring awareness and resources to people who want to be involved in the music industry and the music scene in Philadelphia for artists who are already in it for everybody who's just interested in coming to gigs this is really just a platform for women by women about music and while we've Olivia has founded this and then I came in a little bit into the picture and while we've evolved a little bit over time we really just want to start conversations with other women in the industry, interested in the industry, or just fans like us. Because at the end of the day, we are truly all just like fangirls and stands, And we're embracing that in 2024. Yeah, that's really what this comes down to. Um, and there are other music commentators who I love a lot. Um, there's Brad Taste in Music, Todd in the Shadows, just to name a few. But I don't know. I've always felt like women's perspective has always been missing from a lot of music commentating. Um, So I'm really looking forward to the things that we're going to be able to talk about in this. Um, I think our voice is oftentimes very undermined, yet it's fangirls really run the industry. 
And so it's important that our voices are heard. It's important that our perspectives are taken into consideration. So I'm really excited to get into all of it with you and to hear from everybody who's been coming to this channel for the past couple of weeks. And thank you to everyone who's been joining us so far. Really appreciate it. Yeah, truly. It has started out so much more like than we thought it would. When we started this, we were like, we might get three views and it's going to be her partner, my partner, and my mom. Yeah. And that's yep. like, that's going to be it. And like, just thank you for like showing up every week and commenting and letting us know your thoughts, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're excited to start this journey. So Emma, what are we going to talk about today? The Grammys. And I have a lot of thoughts. Of course thoughts, we have to talk have about feelings. the Grammys. Yes. I also have a lot of thoughts and feelings and there was just so much that happened. So overall, what was your impression of the Grammys this year? I thought this Grammys, and we'll get into more of this point later, but the Grammys have always defended their voting by saying, well, this is not about, you know, the popularity and the charts. This is about the actual music and what music experts think. And I think this Grammys was very much not that. I think this Grammys was awarding the highest charting songs and albums and artists, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think there were some very well-deserved wins, but I think there was a lot of snubs too. I completely agree. There are quite a few um, that I can think of where I was like, I don't understand how this person or this band walked away with absolutely nothing. Who was that for you this time around? So this is controversial, but Noah Khan. Mm, okay. I, I want to preface this. I love Victoria Monet. I think she is so talented. I think she is the greatest. And this is not me saying she's undeserving. But I guess I was a little confused as to why she was in the new artist category. Because mm -hmm. I've known Victoria Monet. We've yeah. all known Victoria Monet. Victoria Monet is Ariana Grande. And Victoria Monet, you know, has had songs charting on the Billboard Top 100 in 2018. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, it really needs to be reassessed as to what makes a new artist and maybe redefining it as a breakout artist. Mm -hmm. But I think Noah Khan, I mean, he has just gone from, like, you know, nobody's ever heard of him to being like an A-list, like household name. Like Stick Season has just absolutely skyrocketed out of nowhere. And he worked extremely hard for that. And, you know, he's been obviously very humble and very grateful. And I'm glad if he didn't get it that Victoria Monet did. But I did think that, you know, some of that success should have been recognized with the Best New Artist Grammy. I, I completely agree with you. I love Victoria Monet so much. Um, I've been following her for a while, just like you said, and just how you feel too. Um, we, of course, know her from her co-writing on many of Ariana Grande's extremely popular singles. But she has also had a very successful career as a solo artist as well. And this is my issue with the Grammys. Their categories are not clearly defined. I feel like in all other award shows at this point, they have now begun to define what their awards actually mean and who is actually eligible. It's also not clear who is technically considered a best artist. And I agree with you um, on several of the other categories too. 
of best new artist and like pop solo album. Like, what does that mean compared to just like best pop album? Like, I, I think I agree. Yeah, these like, does terms that get very from, convoluted. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's from a solo artist? Can they have no collaborations? Yeah, that, like, no one knows. With a little bit of self, like self awareness as to like nobody knows what these categories are, how they're chosen, how the artists are chosen, and what like why winners are selected. Mm-hmm. That's I I feel the exact same way. It's just it's really it's very convoluted and it's really confusing for the people who are watching. Like we're not in the voting group. Yeah. So we're not going to know those things. That's not apparent to just the average viewer. And that really bothers me. My surprise snub was Olivia Rodrigo. She didn't win anything. That really surprised me. Yeah, that did surprise me as well. I thought Guts was a fantastic album. I mean, I really liked Sour, but I think Guts was a more mature and better produced record despite some of the very bratty type songs i mean she really has been able to hone in on her style which i think just shows her maturity as an artist and i was just i was just so shocked that she didn't walk away with anything and she was nominated in most of the major categories yeah she had several nominations Mm -hmm. i do think um, don't cancel me, but I don't think Guts was better than Sour. I thought, oh. I don't know. It was just, it sounded a little too overproduced. Mm. And I think if she wants to lean into that, you know, Avril Lavigne 2000s pop punk era, her and Dan Negro, who I love, by the way, he's a fantastic producer. I think they just need to tone back the production a little bit. I thought I thought a lot of the times the songs were very complicated and like not in a good way necessarily. Like the production did just seem all over the place. Although I do think her songwriting has improved tremendously in guts, mm-hmm. which is saying something because Sour was already fantastic. Like I can't write like that now. Never mind when I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. But I was shocked she didn't walk away with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, Emma. I I disagree with you, but at the same time, I get what you're saying, and I and I think that this is a good point uh, in this video for us to say we are not coming for anyone in particular. These are our own opinions, and art is very subjective. Um, we are not anything that we say is not against the fans or against like people's taste in music. It's just a personal preference. So please keep that in mind. Um, because unless it's about Kanye West, I yeah, unless like... it's about like bad people, yeah, unless it's then, about Kanye West, then it's okay. Yeah, and I appreciate your perspective on that, Emma. Yes, and I love Olivia Rodrigo. I mean, I was there since High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> I. I just think she's so cute. Mm-hmm. And my Spotify told me that I was in the first 0.01% of listeners to listen to Driver's License. Wow. So do not come for me. Yeah, don't, don't come for Emma, guys. I love her. I'm also yes. sensitive, so. <laughs> You're saying this out of love. Yeah, I'm saying uh, it with love. So, Emma, I have a question for you as a Swifty. Yes. Do you think Midnight's deserved album of the year? This is loaded. 
I'm going to preface this by saying I don't, there's not an artist of the year category, right? I don't think so. I think there needs to be an artist of the year mm. because I think that's how they were awarding the album of the year and how they have been. She's obviously the artist of the year, whether you like her or you don't. I mean, she has reached levels of fame and of success that are undocumented this past year. That being said, I don't believe Midnight's deserved album of the year. I don't even believe it's in her top five best albums in her entire discography. I thought it was great. Um, You know, I thought it was a great maturation of her songwriting and a good blending of the complicated lyrics that we're getting in Folklore and Evermore and the synth pop and, you know, calling back roots to 1989 with a lot of the production. But I just, it wasn't cohesive and it wasn't her best work. She has better. And I do believe that other, I believe personally that Boy Genius deserved that or even Lana. I agree because I can't tell. I, I, I'm, I don't consider myself a Swifty. However, I like a lot of her music and I do really respect her as a business person as a woman i think the work that she has done is just like insane like the impact that she has had on women and queer people and even just society in general is just completely unprecedented and something that we've never really experienced before so i really respect her i did not listen to midnights i'm familiar with a few of the songs um, just from it being out there. But I did not listen to Midnight. So with that in mind, it was obviously I couldn't say, oh, this is, you know, this deserves album of the year. However, I'm a huge Boy Genius fan. I'm even wearing my sweatshirt today. And I do believe that they probably should have won album of the year. It was interesting that they were also put in the alternative record of the year or whatever category. What did you think about that? I think when people don't know how to, like, if something's not upbeat, then they don't feel like they can classify it as pop. And if there's not a lot of guitar and drum, they don't feel like they can classify it as rock. So everything that doesn't fit in those two categories gets shoved into alternative. That is that is so true. Because we really don't know how to assess pop other than are you on the charts? And is it upbeat? Is that something that's going to be stuck in my head when I'm, you know, walking yeah. around, you know? Which is ridiculous because not all pop is upbeat, but. Right. Right. Exactly. That's just how we, that's just how we think of it as. Mm-hmm. Yep. This Grammys was the best Grammys in a few years. I just thought the production from start to finish was super solid. And the live acts that they had were, I was like sobbing the whole time. Their performances were amazing, as always. Truly special. I mean, Fast Car, I've been watching that clip specifically multiple times this week. I Multiple times. There were tears in my eyes. For those of you that don't know, Tracy Chapman has been MIA for years in the music industry. She paid her dues. She did what... You know, she wrote amazing songs and she took her bag and she left, which was good for her. Everybody respected that. And then out of nowhere, she never allows anybody to professionally cover her songs. 
And then Luke Combs was allowed to professionally cover Fast Car. And I'm just going to start this off by saying I'm not a huge country fan. I don't necessarily listen to Luke Combs's like solo music or his personal music, but I do really respect the role that he and a lot of other country artists are playing in country right now, which is separating that from that separating it from like that patriotic republican you know fits in a box pandering basically pop music mm-hmm. so luke combs was allowed to record this cover which was unheard of and he did not change the pronouns in it which you know was very like heartwarming to see and then seeing tracy like Chapman come on stage was just I don't think anybody was expecting that and you can see he had such admiration and gratefulness in his eyes and she has aged beautifully yeah her voice is stunning that song is just it's so important it's iconic and yeah I just thought that whole performance was fantastic I think they brought back we'll get into Joni Mitchell later but like Mm -hmm. Having Tracy Chapman and Joni Mitchell at the Grammys, when they have long sworn off this kind of stuff in the music industry, makes me really hopeful for a future of a music industry that, like, people don't want to run away from once they, you know, have done what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it was, it was just magical. It was beautiful. It's one of those performances that you cannot forget. I mean, every year, I feel like the standards have been set, set so high this year that like, I don't know what they're going to do next yeah, year. How are they going to top it next I year? I don't know how you're going to top that. Um, and yeah, I really, I agree with you that country, I'm not a huge country music fan. I did go through a country music phase in high school as a lot of people did. And there are things that I like about country music really wonder how Luke Combs ended up being able to actually cover Fast Car. Um, I'm super curious about how that went down. And you could just tell he was so starstruck. Like, it was so cute. But not only that, it was just really nice to see a Black woman. A Black lesbian woman. Yeah. Be able to finally get her flowers on this song. I was really worried at first that Luke Combs, even when he, you know, prior when he released Fast Car, I was really worried he was going to take the credit of the song and not mention her often. So I was surprised when he covered it and I really was not sure if he was actually going to acknowledge Tracy's influence on him and how the song even came about to him covering it. It was just really nice to see him praise her as much as he did in that video that they came out with um, prior to them coming on stage. And he has really made an effort since that song has come out to consistently reference her and to make sure people know that this is Tracy Chapman's song. And I just think that's really special. And you don't see that a lot. You really don't see that a lot. Yeah, agreed. I think that's why I like I do like him, even though I don't necessarily like his music. I just think he's, you know, so respectful and kind and, you know, exhibits a lot of the traits that we don't necessarily always associate with country music, at least historically, but that we now are starting to now that more artists like him and Tyler Childers and Jelly Roll, who was nominated for Best New (laughs) Artist, exhibit 
Also, not to get too off topic, but I saw a video of Jelly Roll speaking to Congress about like fentanyl the other day. Really? And I did not know. I didn't know his game. I didn't know this about him. Does he have like a connection? Was he? So did he he used to be an addict? I think he went to jail. Like I think he. Oh. Was a convicted felon. Oh shit. Yeah, that's at least what he said in his little like speech to Congress. But like, typically, when country artists did used to stand up for political, you know standpoints or whatever it was always the other way around for example when the chicks stood up against the war in iraq they were like crucified like their Mm -hmm. career was over in country music Mm -hmm. for speaking out against the war in iraq but now we have you know tyler childers creating music videos that involve gay couples and Luke Combs, you know, amplifying the music of a black woman and, you know, speaking out about LGBT rights and Jelly Roll talking to Congress about, like, drug administration and regulation. (laughs) Like, I feel like we're really going back into an era of country music, like, that is similar to the beginning of country with Johnny Cash and the Appalachians. And it started out as a rebellion movement and i think we're full circling back to that and i'm very excited to see Mm. what's in that so what were your thoughts on joni mitchell and her performance i was literally in tears joni mitchell is one of the most influential songwriters of our entire of an of a generation and generations to come before taylor swift was doing it Before any of these other, you know, iconic songwriters were doing it, Joni Mitchell did it first. And her voice and the way that her lyrics come across and the metaphors within them and, like, the simplicity of them, yet the deep, deep layers of meaning behind them are just, like, she is truly just a force. There is only one Joni Mitchell. There will never be another Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was just genuinely moved to tears mm-hmm. by that performance. Me too. And she's had to face so many more barriers than people nowadays. Um, yes. She really has been a trailblazer, not only in folk music, but just as a songwriter, like you were saying. And it just, I was, I was sobbing the whole time because to still live in the same time period as Joni Mitchell is so special. It's an honor. There are people who will not be able to live in the same time period as her. And it is just so, I I just felt so moved and so touched by the fact that we still get to experience Joni Mitchell. Period. Yeah, period. That, That is so priceless. And it just really made me emotional. Agreed. Also, her cane, cool as fuck. I want a cane like that. Like, I need a cane like that. Like, you know in the movies when wizards go like, and then the whole ground lights up, and it like turns into like this magical staff? That's what that shit looks like. I know, she's bringing the cane back, you know? Bring canes back in 2024. Seriously, let's bring canes back. 
That was cool as hell. She it is was just so like, cool. And she so was cool. dressed awesome too. Like to think that she nearly died a few years ago is so hard to think about. She looks so healthy. Her voice sounded so great for being 80, 82, however old she is in her 80s. She sounded amazing. And having gone through so much, it's not like she Mm -hmm. lived a quiet, comfortable, easy life. Yeah, had to recover from a brain aneurysm. Like, oh, no big deal, you know? What I do, I need to talk about. I don't care if you don't want to talk about it. I need to talk about it. Tortured Poets Department. Yes, let's talk about Tortured Poets Department. Can we please? Now, okay, again, I'm not in the know. So can you please, first of all, I know there was like a whole thing about reputation or maybe she was trying to throw people off the scent, but can you, as our resident Swifty, tell me like what is going on? What's behind Tortured Poets Department? What are your impressions so far? Give me everything because I'm, I'm not in the loop at all. So everybody thought Reputation TV was going to be announced. There was so many Easter eggs. Easter eggs that she's left before and has followed through. So, like, we know how, what certain things mean. Like, in her Bejeweled music video, I believe, she was holding a cup of tea and she had, her nails were painted different colors. She had one blue nail pointed at an eight and one black nail pointed at a two. And there was 12, it was like a clock. Well, that's the months of the year. 1989 was released in August 8. So we were like, okay, reputation, February. And there was a bunch of other signs that we can get into. But a long time ago, she was doing like a word scramble thing. I believe this is where it came from. And we unscrambled the word red herring. We were like, what the fuck does red herring mean? And then the day of the Grammys, her website went down. And there was an error code that if you unscrambled it, said red herring. And we were like, who the hell is red herring? What what the fuck is a red herring? But if you Google the definition of red herring, it is... Let me, let me Google it right now so I don't mess it up. Yes, please let me know what a red herring is. A red herring is something that misleads or distracts from a relevant or important question. It may either be a logical fallacy or a literary device that leads readers or audiences towards a false conclusion. We found this and we were like, okay, like reputation, like how, like reputation is being announced, right? Like, I don't know how this fits in the puzzle, but I'm sure it does. Well, reputation was the red herring. She changed her profile picture black and white. All of her friends changed their profile pictures black and white. She led everybody to believe, to come to the false conclusion that Reputation TV was coming out, just to smack us with the tortured poets department. And I think she did that because, like, people are getting so obsessed with picking apart everything in her life and in her music to try to find these Easter eggs because they just feel like they have a right to know everything about an album the second, like, before it's even announced. Like, I feel like they've low-key taken the fun out of it. Like, everybody needs to know when it's going to be announced, what it is, what the songs are, what the songs are going to sound like, what the aesthetic is, who it's about, when she wrote it, why she wrote it. And I'm like, that takes all the fun out. Part of the fun is the mystery. 
Taylor liked to leave these Easter eggs for like dedicated fans to be like, oh my god, I wonder what that means. Or she'd put capital letters randomly like in sentences in the CD liner notes. And they'd spell out like Adam. Oh, this song is about Adam. But now people are like getting crazy with it. And they're finding out everything she's going to do before she does it. Mm. So I think she did this intentionally because she was like, I, I want to actually surprise them. Because 1989, when that like when the re-release was announced, everybody and their damn mom knew 1989 was going to be released that night. Mm. And that takes like a lot of the fun out to like want to surprise somebody and everyone's already like, oh yeah, we know. We figured it out. We did all this digging and we found out. Yeah, it's but- like you put so much work behind an album and an album release and then for people to just try to expose it and get ahead of you on it, that must be very debilitating, especially for Taylor because she has to keep up with that. literally 24 7 and it's her fans doing it it's not like media outlets it's swifties her her tracker list for this album was leaked oh it was leaked by somebody on tiktok oh wow so a day later she posted the track list herself but that's really really disappointing because in for midnights we did this fun little game where she'd come on and she'd make TikToks and she would like roll a little like ball and we'd have to guess what the name of a song is and she'd tell you like a little bit about the song and it was revealed you know track title at a time and it was a real it was really fun for her it was really fun for us but people go and they spoil the surprise because they're just like I need to know everything right now mm-hmm. and so she just posted it on Twitter with just a heart and mm-hmm. I think that's a real bummer but. They did have one mistake in the track list. And it's kind of like a thing, especially during the reputation era, she was doing this, where she had a lot of sources close to her that were telling the press about her life that she didn't know who it was. So she started telling lies to people. She did a little two truth and a lie. Mm. And whatever lie got out to the press, well, you're cooked. So Mm -hmm. there was one mistake in the track list that was posted on TikTok. So whoever leaked that track list, I hope it was worth it because, like, you're probably cut out of Taylor's life. Two things that really fascinate me about Taylor is, first, the commodification of Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. Not even just n- not even just as a, a celebrity. I think there's a commodification of celebrities in general. But in, in the sense that everyone is trying – and not just Swifties, but I feel like people who are trying to capitalize on Taylor's success, even with, you know, Eras Tour tickets and Eras Tour merch and just like the shit show that that was. It feels like it's become a game. It's become a game for people, again, not just Swifties, but for people to try to commodify Taylor Swift Agreed. to get ahead, make money off of her, become viral off of her. Because I feel like. I don't know if you get this impression, but what I've heard, what I heard from you is that like the person who determines it first on TikTok or whatever, they get the credit for that. They become viral for figuring this out. That's a really shitty feeling, I'm sure, coming from Taylor and Taylor's team to constantly be commodified like this. Yes. And have every aspect of your life be a potential easter egg when you're just having dinner with a friend right yes exactly it must be and this goes into my second point about taylor which is 
I feel sad for her sometimes because it's probably very lonely being in her position. You probably don't know who you can trust, obviously. People are trying to expose her still. There are people constantly trying to meddle in your relationship, um, meddling in your friendships. I mean, I'm not even a Swifty, and I see articles and posts about Taylor didn't invite Selena Gomez to this and that, and oh, she hasn't seen Blake Lively in a, in two months. Like, why is that? You know? Yeah, she can't have anything. No, it's all under a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. And I, whoever her therapist is, like Olympic gold medal, because mm-hmm. I would never be able to handle that. It's lonely at the top. Like yeah. I. I respect her so much and she's achieved such great levels of success, but I also feel sad for her because it's probably super isolating to be at that level of success. And she does it with such like class and grace too. Mm -hmm. And she's so grateful for it. And she never comes out and says, oh my God, give me privacy or oh my God, I hate you guys coming. Like I hate the paparazzi coming to my house. I hate people doing this, which she would have every right to do. She never does that. And I think that's so refreshing because a lot of celebrities, they don't like they get to a point where they just believe that not only are they like beyond reproach, but also like they become like ungrateful Mm -hmm. for the things in their lives. Like the things that they were like, I want to go on a sold out stadium tour. Now it's like they can't even be bothered to show up. Or they're like, oh, it's, I hate, touring is so annoying. Like, it's so stressful. And it's like, it is, but isn't this what you wanted? Isn't this what your dream of being a singer was? This is where, and and you really looped it in super well. Like, this is where with the Madonna situation, I'm super confused. So for people who might not have seen this, Madonna is currently being sued um, by two people who recently went to her concert, I believe in Brooklyn, because she started her show two hours and 15 minutes later than what was advertised on the ticket. So they claim that they were confronted with limited public transportation, limited ride sharing, or increased transportation costs because the concert was done at 1 a.m. And They said that they were upset because they had to get up to go to work early or take care of their family responsibilities the next day. So they're suing for unconscionable, unfair, and deceptive trade practices from Madonna. And this is not the first time Madonna's been sued for this. Um, This has actually happened once more in 2019 um, for her starting her show two hours late. And that actually came to a settlement. So I'm curious from you, Emma, based on that, like, what are your impressions from that? Because I have thoughts on this. I don't think the lawsuit's going to go anywhere, but I think it's setting a great precedent. This is your job. If I showed up two hours late to my job every single day, I would be fired. Like, they would ask me to not come back. I think not enough celebrities and artists recognize that this is a job. And these are hardworking people who've come to see you. And yes, you do owe them a performance. Getting back on my fuck Kanye West train. Remember when he had that album release? And like the show? 
that he was doing at the Mercedes-Benz stadiums, fans were waiting in that stadium for six hours past. Oh my the God. Day. I thought it was three hours, six hours. I mean, oh fact God. Checking real quick, but like it was hours and hours oh past when he said it was going to start. And mm. even the album release date in general, first he said it was March, then it was August, then it was next year. Like you do owe the, like when people are paying your bills like this and they're paying to come see a show, it's hard to go to a concert. Concerts aren't expensive anymore. You need to travel. If you're going to take your car, you need to pay for parking. If you're going to Uber, those prices are going to be so much more expensive because there's an event going on. Yeah, I just, I hope, I know they're not going to win, but I hope it sets a precedent for future artists to mm -hmm. show up because also I'm a sleepy girl. And if you make me stay up until 2 a.m., I'm leaving. My issue with the people who are suing Madonna is I don't, and it's so selfish. I don't like the angle that, well, there was limited transportation and like we had to get up for work the next day. That's my only problem because to me, I feel like join the club. Like every concert, yeah. it is the absolute worst experience trying to get home unless you live close enough to where you could walk. Every single concert, you're going to be waiting for a Lyft or an Uber or you're having to wait for someone to pick you up. I mean, or you're in traffic if you drove. Like, this is a reality of all concerts. So I'm like, okay, that argument kind of sucks. And then to say, well, we have to work early in the morning. It's like, okay, true. Like, I get it. But that's also the risk you take by going to a concert when you have work the next day. Like, for me personally, when I go to a concert during the work week, I'm just preparing myself ahead of time to just be tired at work. Yeah. Or because by the time you actually get – Yeah. What they're illuminating to me is there needs to be a better system in place for stadiums in particular to better the ways in which people come in and out and the flow of traffic in general. This is a concern that happens all over the country with huge stadium tours like Madonna where people are waiting for hours for Lyfts, Ubers to get their car out of a parking lot. You shouldn't have to leave the concert early so that you can get out early, which I know a lot of people do. I do that myself because I just don't have patience for it anymore. But the way that traffic control is done at stadiums is so ass backwards to me. Doesn't make any sense. And it just makes it a frustrating experience. Like something that was supposed to be fun is now frustrating when you're done with it because you have to wait in traffic and you have to wait for a lift and you're paying like $70 for a lift. And it's just your crazy. Your phone is low. Yeah. Yeah. Your phone is low on battery. Everyone's leaving literally at one time and there's lines to get out the door. The merch line, don't even get me started on merch lines. Like that's, I think that's for another video. I missed Phoebe Bridgers playing Waiting Room because I was stuck in a fucking merch line at the Eras Tour. That bitch does not play Waiting Room. It was her last show of the whole Eras Tour. She hasn't played Waiting Room live in years. I was okay with missing her performance because I was like, I've seen her before and I'll see her again sometime soon. This is my first time seeing Taylor. And I heard those fucking opening notes to Waiting Room yep. so I could get a goddamn sweatshirt. 
But just like the whole concert experience is just so stressful. And I really want to do more insights into these types of shows, but also underground shows, house shows. I really want to bring more attention to how different these cultures are and how much more fun they are. Yes. The experience of going to a $15 house show is so much, at least for me, maybe it's different for everybody else. It's so much more fun than going to a concert. You Mm -hmm. might have more fun, you know, once you're in the concert, already listening to the music in your seat. But like the whole experience, it's so warm. It's so welcoming. It's cheap. The bands are there to talk to you and like they usually give you like a sticker or something. Yeah, there's there's usually like free drinks or something. Yeah, and like people don't even know that these exist. I mean, even in Portland, I'm having a hard time finding the punk scene. I know it's here. Oh, wow. But at least in Philly, we have definitely there. In Philly, we have like that um, punk show Philly account. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which makes it. House show Philly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and is it, the Instagram handle. Yeah. It makes it so – shout out to her, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's hard work to run yeah. that page. And she does and a great job. And to be aware of every show going on in multiple locations. She does State College, too. I didn't even know yes. State College had a house show scene. Mm-hmm. But they do. But, yeah, like, there's nothing that simple in Portland. Mm, that's a bummer. I, I know they're here. That's they're weird. Like, Hey, listen, if any of you out there live in Portland, please, and our DM for Addy guy, let us know. I will DM you for the Addy. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm so bored. We need Emma to let us know what it's like in Portland. Yeah, guys, I'm in a knitting group right now, which shout out to my knitting group. They're all lovely ladies. Aww, but like, shout out knitting group. We're, but we end by eight o'clock because we're all sleepy. And like, I need to go out and I need to do something. Portland has no nightlife. Please bring me to the nightlife and the punk scene. Help her out, guys. I have so much love to share. All right. Before we wrap up, Emma, what is one song that you've been listening to a lot lately? Can be new. Can be old. That's a great question. I have one. I'm going to name three songs. Okay. I've been listening to Paul by Big Thief a lot. Mm. St. Jude by Florence and the Machine. And Silver Lining by Mount Joy. Those are my big three. Mm. I'll add those. I'll add those to my list. Yeah. Well, Florence Love and the that. Machine, Sun, Mount Joy, Moon, Big Thief Rising. Mm. Those are my big three. You said it. My big three, Bored to Death by Friend. Friend, Say, obviously. Shout one of out our to favorite. Friends. Yeah. Shout out, Friend. One of our absolute favorite Philly bands um, who we've worked with before we love we love them um so this album is so good like they just came out with this full-length record bored to death is probably my favorite song on there but icarus is the final song is fantastic this album is like legit good if you're somebody who is really jonesing for authentic punk music this is going to be the album for you it's dog eat dog by friend but bored to death is such a great song on here um casey musgraves deeper well Slay. cried cried love casey having my eyes out yeah her Fantastic new vinyl song. like designs for the vinyls too go check them out they're phenomenal like the designs on like the albums themselves are phenomenal my last song 
is that I've been listening to a lot is Burning Down the House Cover by Paramore. Because the fact that they're coming out with a Talking Heads cover album, tribute album, we've been waiting. That was number four on my list. We almost had the same one. I was thinking if I should say it, but I was like, no, I think I've listened to these other ones like a little bit more. <laughs> I fucking, I just, I love Paramore. And they're out of their um, contract now. With yes. Atlantic Records. It's so exciting. It's great for them. I cannot wait to see, like, I cannot wait to hear this tribute album. More artists need to do tribute albums. I feel like tribute albums get kind of like poo-pooed a lot, but they're fun. Come on. And they're I mean, I know the copyrights hear- are a lot, but you know. Yeah, they're a great way to hear like your favorite artist's like voice in a like in a song they wouldn't write themselves. Mm-hmm. I could never see Paramore coming out with that themselves. The production, the lyrics, the like song, anything. But it was so refreshing and nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Haley Williams, we love you. And if you want to come on the podcast or be my friend or be my girlfriend, um, please, I'm free on Thursday. If you want to hit me up on Thursday when I'm free on Thursday, let's do something <laughs> on Thursday. We love you, girly. Okay, Emma, thank you so much for this awesome episode. I really yes. love talking to you and just catching up about Grammys and stuff. We've been saving all of our opinions for this. I mean, we're at an hour and 15 minutes already. And once I edit yeah. it down... It'll be like a little shorter, but we had a lot to say, obviously. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Talk to you next week about whatever. Bye. Bye.